In a few days, it will be Veterans Day or Memorial Day, and we wanted to acknowledge our servicemen and women who serve our country and that of our neighbour, the USA, and to thank you for helping make it possible for us to live lives of freedom and meaning. And if you're not a veteran or a service person, I would encourage you to take in today's episode regardless to better understand some of the sacrifices and challenges our military members face on the home front. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, We've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a gratitude-provoking episode for you this week. This is episode number 161, and today we're going to be talking about military marriages. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed the subject of foreplay as it relates to female orgasm. That's worth going back and checking out. And also make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage... We offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. So Caleb, let's get into the topic of military yes. marriages. Yeah. I have to confess, I thought this was mostly going to be negative. Okay. That we'd see a lot of challenges and not a lot of upside. Okay. And yet, of course, we will actually see that human resiliency is a beautiful thing and that there are a lot of positive, hopeful things happening in military marriages as well. Hmm. That's cool. Which is, it's great. Yeah. And so... Just kind of a balance here at the start of reality check versus because we don't want to just see the entire world through rose-colored glasses. We need to talk about what's real and what's happening, right? Right. Okay. So there are a lot of challenges faced by both the serving soldier and the spouse who remains at home. For example, rates of depression are 12% among active service members and 13% among those who have returned from duty. Okay. That's from a study in 2012. Rates of PTSD are 2% among returned service members. Wives who are left at home, and this is again just kind of quoting from the context of that research, wives who are left at home suffer from increased rates of depression, from sleep disorders, and acute stress, as you might imagine. Okay. And military service can also put a strain on marriage through the emotional roller coaster of separating and reuniting. And divorce rates are as high as 53% among military couples, which is higher than for non-military couples. Hmm. So these are serious challenges, but it's also not all bad news. Despite the challenges of military service, some couples report that it strengthens the marriage. So Hmm. a study from 2013 interviewed 118 military couples and found that 44% of couples reported better relationship dynamics upon reuniting, 35% reported more destructive communication, and 21% reported no change. Hmm. So that's more high than low or more positive. So there's more people experiencing an upside than a downside. And 93% of couples were able to identify at least one positive change as a result of the deployment. Uh, For example, increased confidence and autonomy for the wife or a new sense of purpose for the husband or greater appreciation for family life upon return. Okay. So as we go into this, Fernando, let's look at this through the lens of the emotional cycle of deployment or emotions as they follow the cycle of deployment, maybe a better way to put that. Okay. Couples go through five stages when one spouse is deployed to active service for a period of time. 
And this is based on research done in 2001. There's the pre-deployment stage, the deployment stage, the sustainment stage, the redeployment stage. I think actually that should be like a re, just before you come back home stage. Yeah. And then a post-deployment stage. So we'll have to check the wording on that one. But so there are these five stages. Now, the pre-deployment stage is the time from receiving orders to deploy and then actually leaving, which can be weeks or month, months. And here's what to expect during that stage. First, denial or anticipation of loss. Mm-hmm. Just for being separate, separated from each other, right? Right, yeah. There could be possible anger at the soldier for leaving, mm-hmm. leading to conflict. Even like, though you know it's coming. Well, I'm upset you're leaving, but maybe I don't want to get as far as identifying mm-hmm. that. So that upset just comes out as anger. Okay. The soldier may become emotionally and physically distant due to training and bonding with squad mates. Like in some sense, they may already mentally be deployed. Oh, right? yeah. There could be conflict and stress over trying to get your affairs in order. For example, one spouse is doing all the important DIY tasks before leaving, sorting out finances, wills, maybe childcare, those kinds of things. Okay. Right. There could be the desire to make the most of the time before the soldier leaves, which is pressure. Like, do we need to have the perfect Christmas before mm, you go? Right. Or celebrate a, a birthday, right? And there could be inside as well, or in the background of all of this, fears and doubts about whether the marriage will survive. Even possibly about infidelity while the other spouse is at home. Like, what are you going to oh. do when I'm not here to hold you for right. 18 months. months or however long that might be, right? Oh. Now... Just kind of tying in, what's interesting about this is a lot of this can occur in, in non-military marriages too. Like even, it's fairly normal that when couples know they're going to be separating due to travel or work, they tend to pull back and almost seek conflict. Mm-hmm. It just helps create the distance while the other spouse is still around and perhaps the hopes, it, it's kind of like there's a bit of a hope of reducing the pain of loss when the spouse does leave. It's like you're pushing mm-hmm. back already, mm-hmm. so that doesn't hurt as bad. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? We do this. Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, so there is, I do maybe there is that thing too. Uh, couples can cope with these issues by ensuring that conflicts are properly resolved before the soldier leaves. Having conflict hanging over you can interfere with the at home spouse's routine mm-hmm. because it's open ended. There's no way to resolve it, or it may feel oh. like there's no way to resolve it. Mm-hmm. And it can make the soldier unfocused, which could be dangerous when on duty. So, talking about your expectations of what the separation will be like is important. And just being able to kind of sort through things and come to trying to find closure where you can and work through matters before your spouse leaves is helpful. Yeah. Now, once again, we've created a bonus guide. And while we normally offer these exclusively to our supporters, we're going to make this one freely available on our Patreon page at oif.link slash, actually, I'm sorry, that's oif.support is the shortcut to that page. Just look for post number 161 at that link, or you can go to our webpage for this particular episode and look for the call out box on that page. Click the green button that will take you over to the post. That sounded very complicated. Okay. So go to oyf.link slash 161 and look for the green button. Yes. Do what she said, people. (laughs) Whenever I do that, it works better. Oh, oh, (laughs) nice try. You're welcome. So this guide is actually something I sent to one of our listeners who's a military wife. So in addition to useful learning from research of military marriages, it has some real on the ground advice for those of you who not only fight for our country, but are wanting to fight for your marriages as well. Mm -hmm. So once again, that is complimentary, but we'll just take our usual 60 second break to tell you more about becoming a patron of our podcast. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? 
Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about the emotional cycle of deployment, and we had discussed the pre-deployment stage too. Now, the deployment stage is the, this part here is the first month of separation. Okay. And during this, you should expect a huge range of emotions from numbness and grief to relief and no longer having to appear strong and supportive in front of your deployed spouse while they're at home. Interesting. Yep. Worries can set in about security in relation to finances, childcare, other concerns. And during this time, if you can, staying in contact by phone or Skype is helpful for both spouses. But conflict can make the stress at this stage much worse, like marital conflict. Okay. So I just think this first month sounds like it must be really hard. Yeah. It's just a tough stage to go through. I wonder if just acknowledging and knowing that it's hard is good to do. Yeah. The next is the sustainment stage. This is the period of continued separation from the first month onwards. The at-home spouse learns to find support from other spouses. Other, ooh. That back that train Yeah, no, no, Other no, no, sources no. during this stage, such as support groups, family, or church. Uh, she or he learns that she or he is able to cope with difficulties as they arise and to make important decisions on their own. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of now, this is where you learn to pull up your support network, right? Okay. Now, continue communication with the soldier, which is important to help them stay connected. It can also cause conflict as phone communication is more prone to misinterpretation and distortion, like just not quite understanding what's going on, mm-hmm. especially if a lot of it's done over messaging. Right, mm-hmm. But even on a phone call, if you can't use video, you don't get to see body language and you miss all those nonverbal cues that you would have when yeah. you communicate in person. So again, I think it's just managing your expectations through this stage to know that it's tough to really sense what's going on. So just going slow, being really clear with each other when you're talking, making sure you understand and that you are understood is good. And then there's the last month before the soldier returns home. And during this stage, there's intense anticipation going on of the soldier coming home. Yeah. There can also be some very high expectations. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. And there can be actually apprehension about giving up your independence, wondering whether your spouse will have changed, wondering whether you'll get up along upon his or her return. Mm, yeah. And, and even at that, like it may be harder to make decisions for the spouse at home as you become acutely aware that the soldier will be returning soon. So do I make this decision? Do I wait for him or her to get home? We really need to sort this out. Uh, By then it's going to be too much pressure. Like, so you got all this other stuff going on too, right? right? So just lots of stuff happening. And then the post-deployment stage. Now, reuniting can be a very joyful and happy experience. It can be a honeymoon period where everything seems to be going great, but reuniting also has its own challenges. So the soldier spouse may have changed significantly during his time away. And this could include positive and negative elements. 
So here's some examples from the research. There may be disillusionment with their own beliefs and values due to the horrors that they have experienced at war, leading to possibly to apathy or to erosion of the soldier's sense of self. Yeah. On the upside, both spouses may have gained new skills, uh, even physical and mental strength. On the other hand, there's the task of learning to suppress emotions that has happened. For example, suppressing fears in order to survive in combat. Yeah. Now, when this soldier spouse is home, showing the vulnerability, which is required in marriage, is the opposite of what helped them to survive when deployed. And then there's reactiveness. Like, soldiers need to learn to react quickly and with extreme violence to any perceived threat. Right. So you're attuned for that. You come home and you've got the same reactiveness. Oh, yeah. In a different context. Yeah. And that can be a challenge, right? So reintegration can be hard as the soldier readjusts to the role of husband and parent while coming to terms with the trauma of warfare. These are multiple demands at once. Uh, Family dynamics may have changed as the at-home spouses had to take all the responsibility for the house, children, and finances. They just kind of started to run things their own way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you come home and the at-home spouse may resent the loss of freedom and control they had over those things while the soldier was away. Right. So what do you do here? Well, I think it's wise to not set expectations too high for the reunion phase. And just understand that it'll take time to reconnect and to renegotiate roles and to create a new dynamic between you. Right. So even to talk about like whether you want to be a part in making all these decisions or... Or whether you should keep going with some because maybe I'm getting redeployed soon. That kind of thing, right? Right. And uh, so there's a few other factors. Now, one is relational turbulence, which we've hinted at. We've talked about in past episodes. This reuniting after military service, it creates a state of relational turbulence in which there is an increased reactivity both to positive and negative actions from your spouse. So this is driven by two things. One is relational uncertainty. The state of change and the long-term apart can alter each spouse's perceptions of how stable the relationship is. So spouses may feel that if their soldier spouse is willing to travel away and risk his life for his job, then he may be more committed to the army than to the marriage. Mm-hmm. What? I think it could go the same way for a soldier wife. Yes, absolutely. And then there's perceived interference. When couples are doing normal life together, most day-to-day tasks are done without much conscious thought. But when right. couples are reunited after a long absence, they have to be more consciously, become more consciously aware of who does what. And that can lead okay. to the perception that your spouse is interfering with or undermining you. Huh. But just trying to renegotiate those roles, right? Yeah. Because I think it could go the other way too, where your spouse really doesn't care about those things. And yet you're and, putting those decisions on yeah. him or her because you think they do. or And maybe they're happy with what you're doing, but you perceive the lack of care as not caring about you. Okay. Oh, oh my dear. Yeah. So it's tricky, right? So open, clear, open communication is so vital here. Now, there can also be depressive symptoms coming at play, this relational uncertainty, the interference, all these predict difficulty reintegrating together as a couple when you reunite. So taking steps to reaffirm your commitment to each other. So being Mm -hmm. vocal about that, working out ways to renegotiate roles in the house. So it doesn't look like interference or it's not perceived as interference. That can make reintegration easier. So just kind of clear dialogue. Is it okay if I start helping with this again? Would you like me to? Uh Or asking for it. Could you, remember you used to do this. Could we go back to that now? Hmm. Kind of thing. Right. 
PTSD symptoms can also negatively impact marriages. A study from 2010 looked at 434 couples and found that PTSD symptoms were linked to decreases in marital satisfaction, uh, decreases in confidence in the relationship. It affected bonding behavior between spouses, such as doing fun things or physical intimacy. It affected parenting alliance, which is agreeing with each other on how to raise and discipline the children and the dedication of the relationship. And these decreases were found for both the husband and the wife. So just know that if there's PTSD, it's do this is part of the, the, the impact of that. Okay. Now what can be helpful though is, is realizing that, um, again, it's like that thing that we've talked about in the past where it's realizing that this is something outside of you guys in your marriage. It's the PTSD. Mm, Right. That's doing this. So it's not something I'm doing to you or you're doing to me. Right. Yeah. Now, What's interesting, though, is the decreases in marital satisfaction were entirely mediated by changes in parenting, negative communication, and bonding behaviors. So the converse is true. If you if you work on effective parenting, creating positive communication, and enhancing your bonding behaviors, like what bonds you to each other, mm-hmm. you can counteract the effect of war and PTSD on your marriage. Okay. So is that the positive then? Like you said at the beginning that you were expecting negative, but it was actually quite positive. And I feel like we've gone through the negative quite a bit here. That there are quite a bit of concerns. Yeah. Yeah. So where's the positive, I guess? What's the positive you were excited about? Well, the, the positive part that I'm excited about is number one, that there are a number of couples that still make this work, like a large right. chunk of them, Yeah. which tells me that there are ways to learn to deal with these things, to work through them. So it, it doesn't have to be that this is a marriage destroying activity okay, or a feature in your, in your lives together. So I think because every, every couple is different, every relationship is different, it's hard to prescribe exactly what to do. I definitely grab the bonus worksheet because that has a lot of the how-to on the positive side, how to make this really okay. work for you guys okay. to, be, to turn this thing around. But also um, in that guide as well, I was also in the USA, um, I actually forget the name, but again, it's in the guide which I apologize for, but in the USA, there is, you can get free counseling. Even premarital counseling is free. Really? Yeah. If you're in the military and this is going to help you. So there are resources available. Mm. So use those resources to help your marriage. Okay. Um, this, this particular lady, she said she uh, even found a licensed marriage and family therapist who was a Christian with a PhD. So she was very particular on how she wanted to get help for her and her husband. Okay. And she was able to find that and have it paid for. Wow. Which is excellent. So Yeah, that's neat. So that's the positive is that there are couples that are making this work. And if it's not working for you guys, there are resources available to you to right. make it work. So use those and things. And with some changes, you can make it work too. Yes. Okay. Exactly. All right. We had a couple of people come on board as patrons for Linda. Yes. Amanda and Kimberly. Thank you so much. And thank you to all our patrons who support us so faithfully. Yes. Next week, Caleb. We're going to talk about why you keep misinterpreting your spouse. I'm actually looking forward to that one. It's a really neat episode. Oh, really? Yep. Because Sounds this good. happens so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's really fun to look at why and how easily it happens. And um, actually, I think it's if you want to, it's fairly easy to turn it around. Okay. Yeah, if your brain's kind of been in a rep for a while, it's going to take a little bit of work, but it is. Cool. It is what? There's a U-turn there. Good. That you can make. Yeah. Good. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 161. Find out how you can help marriages, go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. 
The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.